With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, with you for the next two hours, same Monday through Friday, uh, 10 to noon every day. We're glad you're with us. If you miss any portion of the program or there's a guest that you want to hear again or you can't believe that we actually said what we said, you can go back at KXNO.com. You can uh, click the podcast link. Our podcasts have been posted uh, at KXNO.com. Busy program coming up today. We We'll take a look back at Iowa with Scott Dockerman of The Athletic about 1025. Likewise, Dylan Montz on Iowa State to 1045. We'll begin Super Bowl week, our Super Bowl week of conversations with Ryan Van Bibber from SB Nation. Covers the NFL and then Rob Doster, a weekly guest. Uh, joins us to talk college basketball on a national scale from a national perspective uh, coming up here at about 11.35 as we take you up until noon. We'll let you know who won the Claxons a little bit later on. Uh, let's get right to it. Trent Condon, a lot of good to talk about, a lot of bad to talk about. Uh, obviously, the Iowa fits in there. We'll get to them in a minute. Uh, what was the best thing you saw this weekend? Oh, boy. So many good things. You know who I'm still starting to really like? That Kentucky team. Yeah, did you watch Kentucky-Kansas? Watched I? a lot of that. I did, too. That's a talented team. They're getting better, aren't they? It's they a young really team. Uh, you know, the kid, the transfer from uh, from Stanford, the kid in the middle was... Reed uh, Travis. Uh, Reed Travis, yeah. He was a difference maker in the basketball game, I thought. You know, this is something that Kentucky... Well, they had jorts, right? And he was... He was what? Uh, he exhausted his eligibility. I mean, he was a senior in the end there when they made that run. But it's a team that doesn't have a lot of, you know, if you go to Kentucky, mm-hmm. you're leaving if you're any good. Uh, as, as they pointed out in the broadcast, um, and Dan Schulman and Jay Billers are elite. Yes. They really and truly are. Um, this is a different kind of one and dunner uh, for Kentucky, and it made a difference. Yeah, I'm with you. Kentucky's uh, air was clearly pointing upward. Anything else? Pressed by them. How about Purdue? Big After, win. Yep. We talked Friday about how good Michigan State mm-hmm. looked. We were putting them in that conversation mm-hmm. for national championship. One loss doesn't do anything to change my opinion. No, that's still a really good Michigan yep. State team. Yep. But this is a Purdue team that can get on a run. Well, especially and, at home, Trent. They're, yeah, they're yeah. really good at home. You look at the way they're built and how many NCAA tournaments has there been that surprise team that gets to an Elite Eight that you didn't normally have there. Mm. You wouldn't think... Maybe Purdue's that Carson Edwards goes off. He gets hot for two weeks, and yep. he puts that team on his he back. He wasn't hot yesterday in the first 20 minutes, and they were still out to that big lead. I mean, that was as remarkable about just the way it's going as maybe anything. Yeah, good point. Glad you brought up Purdue. That was a big win yesterday. Good for Michigan State for, for making it close. That's where I was um, until the, that game was over, and then I switched to the golf. I didn't watch a play of the Pro Bowl. No. I, I had no desire to do so. Likewise, the NHL All-Star game, although i got to be honest with you, 
one of the best things. Well, I'm always honest with you. I hate that expression. I don't know why I say it. Um, <laughs> and then I you really catch yourself don't. and then you yes, yell at yourself. Yes, I get for pissed off at myself. Uh, one of the best things I saw this weekend, and I didn't see it live, but I saw it on Twitter, that woman's hockey player, Kendall Coyne Schofield, I think is how you say her name. Okay, this is all news to me. You have to watch this woman skate. Really? I have never seen anything like it. I really and truly have it. And maybe, you know, I'm not a fan of women's athletics, women's sports. I've just not. I've said it for years. Um, I just, something has to give, right? In order to do this job, you have to be passionate, in my opinion, of whatever you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And if you're not, if you're faking it, the audience is going to know you're faking it. They just are. And um, that's where I would fall into, so that's why there's not a lot of conversation. Uh, But regardless of that, it was an absolute elite eye-opening. It was jaw-dropping to me. Kendall Coyne Schofield. Check her out on Twitter. All right. And watch this woman just blaze. You know they do that fastest skater thing. Have you ever watched an all-star skills competition? Mm -hmm. And every year it's Connor McDavid, who is absolutely elite, and I've never seen – I've watched NHL since – I can remember watching hockey. I've never seen anyone skate as fast as this guy does. It's just remarkable. Watching Kendall Coyne Schofield do that on Friday night. A, she was invited to the All-Star game. First woman to ever participate in it. Good for the NHL. Um, but watching her do her thing, just remarkable. But yes, um, to your points, I'm glad you brought up Michigan State-Purdue. I'm glad you brought up Kansas-Kentucky. Two very good basketball games. So normally, we get press releases all throughout the day in our email. Mm-hmm. And one just came my way right as we're taking the air. And it's from Iowa baseball. Mm-hmm. Pretty ho-hum right now. Well, they're practicing. They are practicing uh-huh. indoors. Right. Not happening outdoors. They have uh, added to their new assistant coaches. But a name you might know here, Tom, uh, Ken Miller. Cal Eldred? It's a good guess. Uh, it is a former Major League pitcher. Okay, help me out. Tom Gorzolani. Will be, I remember the name. Will be the pitching coach for Iowa baseball. All right. Well, um, not, a name that you knew. Yeah, a name that I knew. A name that I do on a uh, on a Monday morning just after ten, so they get a little <laughs> publicity here. You know, let's talk about the good before we talk about the get bad. And 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 here's the thing with Iowa State. While you were blown away by the performance, and it was for the most part. Maybe the best, one of their better games of the year. In particular, Wigington found mm-hmm. his game again. Lard, likewise. Trent, Steve Prom can put this tape in, or however they watch it now on their computer. Digital, digital. They can put the digital in. You don't have to put it in. They, whatever they have to do with it. He can find a lot of areas that he's not. There was nineteen turnovers in the game. Yeah, nineteen, and they blew out Old Miss. Blew them out, Trent. They weren't sharp, but they were good. Yes. Does that make sense? It it does. Because the 19 turnovers, you would think, boy, 19 turnovers on on the the road road, against a top 25 team, this probably got ugly. Well, not really. When you shoot 69%. That helped a lot. That helps a ton. Helped a lot. Uh, And, and, you know, as as you're watching the game, it struck me as we're watching an Iowa State team with four different starters from last year's team. I mean, yes, the the holdover is Weiler Babb, but you got a couple of freshmen in Horton Tucker, in Halliburton, and then the two transfers. No Wigington, who was your best player last year. No Cam Lard, who maybe was your most dynamic player at times last year. I mean, you take the good, the bad with the Lard. We both, we saw both good. 
Uh, we didn't see any bad, I don't think, out of Lard um, in Oxford this weekend. But if Wigington continues to play like he does, Jay Williams, did you hear what uh, some of his comments at all? If you watched the uh, ESPN broadcast of Kansas, Kentucky, you may have seen him at halftime, may have seen him between games. His biggest takeaway from the weekend of the SEC Big, Tw- uh, Big 12 championship was Iowa State, and they're good enough to win the Big 12. Jay Williams. They're good enough to win the Big 12. Now, have you have you taken a peek ahead at the schedule, not in the, the I know closeness. they end with Texas Tech. You look at this, and I was, I was as I normally do, dinking around on Ken Palm last night. Mm-hmm. And I was looking. Iowa State is favored now in every game but two remaining. So let me, let me figure them out. Okay. Uh, they're not favored at Texas. They're not favored at K-State. Incorrect on both counts. Wow. The two games that they are underdogs. At Oklahoma? That's one, okay. and it's by one point. Okay. What's the other one? TCU. Also TCU. by one point. Hmm. Not, I mean, not at K-State. Nope, not at K-State. K-State, because of their struggles early on, I okay. think that's still kind of playing into the numbers. Right. They're still ranked 42nd at Ken Palm, where Iowa State is currently 12th mm-hmm. in the country. And a five on the uh, Gannett's bracketologist, Shelby Master, will join us tomorrow. So Bracketwag.com, if you'd like to see for yourself. Bracketwag.com. Ten games left. Mm-hmm. Nine and one. Well, I mean, you'd, you'd sign for that clearly. Eight and two. Yeah. If you had seven and three, put it over under. Seven and seven a half. Seven and, uh, seven and a half wins. Yeah, because I don't want to. I think the number is seven, but because I don't want to refund any right, wagers. We, we don't like doing that. No, that's just why when we get the claxes at the end of the week, we always add a hook to it. Yes. We don't want to push or make it pick them. Or make it pick them, right, which we did this past weekend. By the way, um, I've, um, I was asked, I was a month into our show, mm-hmm. what do we need to do different, right? Yeah. What do you think? What do you like? What do you don't like? And one of the, nah, well, one of the things I heard twice was love the fact that they inject as much sports wagering into the program. Mm-hmm. And we don't overburden you or I overwhelm don't things. I think so. But you know what we're missing, is, and I heard this twice was wish we wouldn't talk at this level when there's so many people still down at this level ah. that aren't, don't understand halftime lines, etc. I think it's a valid it, issue. It is. And I appreciate the crit- criticism and the critique. Yeah, because Absolutely valid. I've been wagering for a long time. You've been in the wagering business for decades. I work for a gambling company. Now, I'm their horse racing guy. I'm not their sports guy. And, and we're talking about moving lines. And we're talking about, mm-hmm. well, you know, it's two and a half for the Super Bowl minus 120, though. Right. That, the alternate and, line. And, and then people are saying, what in God's name are these two guys talking about right. when you're just trying to dip your toe mm-hmm. in? Or maybe you're going to make your first legal wager. It's coming soon. What it happens here in the state, we hope by August. Yes. Maybe that's the case. It is a very good point mm-hmm. because yeah, I find myself at times, and even my friends that wager a little bit, and I get going. And I go a little too far. Right. What do you mean by that? Yes. And we need to do what yep. do you mean by more, uh, more of what do you mean by that? All that right. That'd be a good summer thing where we can almost yeah. do a signal, a glossary, mm-hmm. if you will. Kind of put it all together right before we get to that start date of sports wagering in the state of Iowa. And I'm rubbing my hands together again. Yeah. Well, it's coming. And I don't think anybody thinks any other, uh, anything else. So we'll get to that. All right. So Iowa State, uh, again, if you're, if you're prone and you're, and you're plugging in the digital or whatever you're doing, <laughs> um, you know, so, so much good, but then you can point to those 19 turnovers and you can say, look, once we get into the Big 12, we're, we're going to have to take better care of the basketball. Trent, it was as close to a perfect game with, with having one glaring 
error as as you're ever going to see on the road. Old Miss, a team you obviously uh, that you haven't played in years, uh, building you've never played in before, uh, that you've never seen, and they just came out and essentially from the uh, from the jump just just took it right to them. Now, conversely, uh, yesterday in the in the Twin Cities at the barn. Find a positive. I mean, Nicholas Bear, when, when, I don't know who threw him that lazy pass that Coffee picked off mm-hmm. and was about to take it the le- length of the floor when out of nowhere, Nicholas Bear on his horse knocks the ball away, doesn't pull up, doesn't admire what he did, goes right back down to the other end of the floor. Somebody gets it to him, pull up three good. I mean, that was, that to me was the highlight in a game that there weren't really a lot of highlights, that to me would have been it. Yeah, that that's the embodiment of Nicholas Bear and the player that he's been so the last smart. years. Yeah, just hustling, doing his thing, mm-hmm. knowing his limitations. Right, and they're on the defensive end of the floor most for the most part. And getting it done. But speaking of defensive limitations, it was apparent again. That first half was hideous. Mm-hmm. And 1.65 points per possession, that's outlandish. That, that is something mm-hmm. that should not happen in any level of mm-hmm. basketball giving up that many points per possession. This Iowa team reverted back to what we saw a year ago. They had to come back, got it back within four, but they dug themselves too deep of a hole. And yeah. the message, and then Tyler Cook tries to take it the length of the floor. and Trying to do too much. Yeah, he was trying to do too much, Trent. And look, I, I don't know. They, that, that was an opportunity to cut it to two, right? It was mm-hmm. a four-point game. That came on the heels of his... I mean, has he ever in his life, or I'm sure he has, but how far back in Tyler Cook's basketball playing life do you have to go for him to find the last time he airballed a free throw? It's got to be a long time. And and it didn't, it wasn't close. No. I mean, you could see he short armed it. Yes. And and it took his time. He exhaled. He was throwing the ball. He was, you know, Mm -hmm. around in his hands and. And just, and, but sadly, front end of a one and one. So he never had that opportunity to redeem himself. And you still see that with Tyler Cook. And Tyler Cook, they do put a lot on his shoulders. And, and this is something when, like that play, putting his head down, trying to make a play, mm-hmm. he has become a lot better as a playmaker this year. He's got more people involved. And the reason that he has to do that is they don't have many guys that can beat people off the dribble. So right. you have to go to your power forward to do that because he is a guy that can beat his guy. But. It leads to plays like that. It's plays where you say, boy, wouldn't it be better to have the ball in Bohannon's hands and in spots like that? Well, in Bohannon's hands, Trent Bohannon never shot a three, never attempted a three-pointer. Coming off a one-for-seven three-point shooting performance against Michigan State, Mm -hmm. he never shot a three-pointer yesterday. His first basket of the game was what? 30 seconds left when the Gophers parted the Red yep. Sea. No fouls, no fouls, and just let him, you know, sashay his way to the to the bucket, and, and he laid it in. That was his only points. Weisskamp made three of four free throws uh, late in the basketball game. Those were his only points. Uh, Connor McCaffrey, I think, what what's his strength? What what's Connor McCaffrey is playing as much as he is because why? He gets everybody in the right spot. He knows how to run a team. Mm-hmm. He knows how to get guys involved in different ways. Mm-hmm. That's his strength. Does he need to shoot periodically? He does. I mean, his yeah. shots are usually, you know, a uh, shot clock about to go off, shoot up a prayer, follow his own basket. We saw that a couple of times. Not enough. There was... Uh, um, he well maybe that was Michigan State where he followed his miss. Somebody did that yesterday for Iowa. And it jumped off the screen because wow they're finally following their own shot to you know tried to get an offensive board. Um, so much I don't know. I mean find a highlight from yesterday. 
I think you named it. It's Nicholas Bear. That yeah. would be that Moss, been Moss it. was on hot, as hot again. Yeah, he loves his playing in the barn. Yep. He's, yes. Does he ever? Go, going back to last season mm-hmm. when he had the 19 points the last couple minutes of the game. But I, I think he nailed it. It was the Nicholas Bear play, and that was it. And even when they cut it to four, it didn't feel like they should be within four. No, but it felt like, you know what, they got a chance to steal this yeah. basketball game. That's what's going through my head. Here's the worst part about it. If you take a look at this, if the of the block of games that they're currently in, this was the one you had to have. You know, this is the one you like your chances by far if you were ranking them. This is the one that's the most winnable for Iowa. See, I, I never felt that way. A road game at Minnesota... Minnesota's talented. Well, then somebody has to be the in this block the best chance to win. Where have you? Would would you have gone? Well, Indiana, Indiana, just yeah. the way they're playing. Indiana, six straight now, mm-hmm. six straight losses, and I still think they can get Michigan Friday night. Do you? I set myself up last week with the Michigan State game. Yeah. Maybe I'm doing the same here. Home. Boy, it feels like no, look, it's not a must-win game. It's no, not, it's not a must-win game. You look at this block, and, and look, they, were, they could lose all four of this block they, and still they could. be okay. And here's the good news: if you're looking for that silver lining, they put enough goodwill in the bank. See that as a five and zero spurt. Uh, that even if they do have this streak that you just alluded to, you're still they're still treading water a little bit. They are right now. They're on the six line in mass bracket. They're one away, another loss away of following falling to the seven uh, for what it's worth. But um, yeah, I thought the trend. Uh, I thought that last night was the one that they could get. Look, Murphy was terrific. Amir Coffee. Um, I don't know if it was the play-by-play guy or it was the color guy that compared him to Doctor J. Oh, that he, was Bob Wenzel. Bob Wenzel. I mean, you used Amir Coffey, who's a nice college player, um, and and Dr. J in the same sense. <laughs> I mean, tap the brakes a little bit. Do you bit. remember his dad, Richard Coffey, for the Gophers? Not real vaguely. Early, yeah, I think vaguely. he was on the Willie Burton team. Vaguely. Went to the lead eight, broke yeah. a nose, beat you and I in the uh, round of 32. I think he was on that squad. He was... He was not like Amir. He was not. He was just a bruiser was inside. He? Yeah, that's what he was. Kind of that uh, six eight, two hundred fifty, mm-hmm. like you saw power forwards in the Big Ten back then. And uh, Amir, though, he's a really nice. Player. No, he's if, a nice player. If he was healthy, I mean, he's dealt with a lot of injuries. Yeah. I think he can play at the next level. Uh, maybe, maybe. So is Curry. Uh, he's, yeah. he, he wasn't bad yesterday. How about Stockman, too? The big seven-foot-one <laughs> yeah. Swede. He gave him some good minutes. He did give him some good minutes. The first good minutes he's given him all year. And I told you, year was going to go off in, what did he have, 19? Uh, what did he have? Uh, yes, yeah. he, he had 19. A couple of big threes there as yeah. I was making the run, too. Uh, disappointing. D- disappointing. Well, a lot of good out of Iowa State. Not uh, it's, it's tough to find some good out of Iowa. I think we hit the salient point as far as the two national games. The Kansas-Kentucky game was terrific. Michigan State-Purdue yesterday, absolutely fantastic. And uh, on the local level, both MVC teams Yes, how victories. about that? Very nice. So, at least it's trending right now that... We won't have the opening round for either team. If they continue at the pass, they're playing. Well, I don't think Drake was, um, you know, we, I thought Drake kind of moved by that fear factor of them playing on Thursday, but it seemingly, if there was one of them that was going to fall into that, it was more likely going to be the Panthers this year. But yeah, nice win. Uh, not a couple of nice wins out of the Valley squads this weekend, so good for them. Would you like to see them play in the 3-6 game or the 4-5 yeah, game? Yeah, that way, we, that way one of them's uh, guaranteed to get to Saturday. Right, yeah. Right? We know we'll get them on semifinal Saturday. And that yeah. is the late game in St. Louis, the usually, The 3-6 right? yeah. And that's, what, about 8.30, yep. I think, usually. Late night mm-hmm. and uh, and over the piano bar afterwards. Done that many a times really? in Really? We used to go to, uh, oh, there was a night. It's closed now. I told you the story about the Irish bar where they yes. walked the live pig right through the front door <laughs> and, and actually butchered it in the kitchen. Whew. 
What was the name of that joint? Dubliners? Dublins, I think. I think it's something like that. Anyways, we'll get a timeout. Uh, Scott Dockerman is coming up. Yeah, I love that Valley Tournament. It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And I like the fact that it's, you know, kind of... Cuts the ribbon, if you will, mm-hmm. on on uh, on tournament time. We'll take a time out. We'll come back. Scott Dockerman from the Athletic will join us. Uh, Dylan Mont's coming up from the Ames Tribune at about ten forty-five. Ryan Van Bibber, our first Super Bowl interview of the week. We'll talk to Ryan Van Bibber from SB Nation. Rob Doster, NBC Sports. He's called it college basketball. He joins us to talk. Uh, hoops are from a national perspective. Trent and I until noon. It's Miller and Condon. Glad you're with us. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Keep up with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook. Go to KXNO.com to learn more. From 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Con to Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Rookie move. I was still swallowing a bite of breakfast. Oh, no. You caught me off guard. What, are you hitting your yogurt today? No, I've already had that. It's muffin time. Oh, muffin time. Muffin time. Let's get Scott Dockman. It's actually his time. From The Athletic, we're going to talk uh, Iowa. Dylan Mont's coming up here in about 15 minutes or so from the Ames Tribune. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic joins us. Doc, Trent, and Ken, how are you? Hey, good, guys. How are you? Doing fine. Uh, you know what? I forgot to mention last time we t- spoke with you. Glad you're still doing that mailbag at The Athletic. It's not only football. It's uh, There's basketball stuff in there as well. Is that going to be a weekly feature, Doc, as far as what you've got planned? I've got, I do that every other week. And, the, and uh, like this week, I have a live chat for an hour from noon to one on Wednesday. So we just kind of rotate it. Uh, it's been good, you know, and I know... You know, I'm primarily football, but, you know, there's a lot of basketball questions, especially this time of year. And, um, you know, and, and I, I obviously still stick with the program. I still go to most of the games and the press conferences and, and what have you to keep my finger on the pulse. So, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a good addition. I really like it. Well, Doc, this is your first year at the Athletic, and with it, you're not on both the football and basketball beat like you mentioned. Are you liking this? Are you liking the flexibility that you have? Do you wish maybe you could... Mary, a little bit more basketball in there. Overall, on the Iowa beat, and being particularly more on the football side, how are you liking it? I love it. I mean, they've been great to me. Uh, they, you know, they allow me the time and flexibility to do bigger, better stories. Uh, you know, like the one we, I did last week with Kirk Ferentz. I've got a couple others coming up this week. Uh, one, I think, a basketball one tomorrow, and another football one on Thursday, and it allows me to just be able to do more rather than. You know, and I, and I was, you know, I worked at the Gazette for 10 years and absolutely loved my time there and still very, very close with my former colleagues. But, you know, sometimes you get trapped in that day-to-day-to-day-to-day stories and mm-hmm. sometimes there's not much there and you don't have time for anything else. But because the athletic has allowed me to do, um, you know, to, hey, if I need to spend two to three days on something bigger, better, I can. And so I, that's been really good. I mean, I like, uh, you know, the basketball part of it. I, I still enjoy being able to write about it, but now I can write about it um, again in, in, in bigger tones rather than, okay, today I'm going to write about this guy and tomorrow about that guy and because mm-hmm. and, and I've been through that uh, washing machine a few times. And they, uh, they ask you periodically to, uh, you know, to do, do an Iowa State uh, a piece, and I know you did one on Purdy and Rose last week. Do you think there'll, be, there'll come a time, uh, Doc, and I know you don't speak for The Athletic, and it's such a great site. It's like three bucks a month for crying out loud. It's, and it's, it's more than college. It's baseball. It's, it's, 
NFL, it's NBA. I mean, it's every single sport. It's the future of sports writing and sports reading, uh, in in my opinion. But do you think there'll come a time when uh, Iowa State gets a, a writer assigned to them? You know, as he mentioned, I really can't speak to that because I'm not a decision maker. Uh, but I do know that there is a lot of value in Iowa State. And we've had those discussions internally, both with myself and some of the other writers, like a Max Olson. Uh, and uh, we do value what I, you know, the Iowa State fan base certainly. I mean, they some of my, some of my uh, better uh, metrics have come from Iowa State stories. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be very cognizant of Iowa State going forward. Uh, you know, I, I can't again can't speak to whether sure. there'll be a specific beat writer, but I do know what we will have. You know, continuous coverage of the Cyclones, maybe not day to day, but but. Uh, you know, we'll have several you know stories per month. One on football, and then we'll get to basketball. And I'm going to steal a, a question, uh, Art from uh, Arlington Heights, Illinois, and you answered it uh, in your most recent mailbag. Again, the Athletic. Uh, when, you, when he asked you about a breakout player on both sides of the ball, offensively and defensively, next year for Iowa, uh, your answer was whom? Sean Byer on the offensive side of the ball, and I think I can go a couple of different directions. I think everybody can, but. Uh, you know, he was a guy that was really starting to, to take off at Iowa uh, last year before he got hurt. In fact, you know, if it wasn't just for having, you know, uh, the two, maybe the two best tight ends in the country, uh, he would have played a lot more. I mean, he's a guy I kind of think of. He's from Peter Rapids, Kennedy, and I, I kind of think of him as almost like what, um, uh, you know, Scott Chandler was. You know, really tall, very athletic, former wide receiver, uh, you know, when I talked to Kirk a little bit about him, I never really wrote this yet, but, you know, he said that, you know, they, they weren't sure if he was going to be an outside linebacker, wide receiver, or tight end. Hmm. And so they went with the wide receiver at first, then moved him over, and then boom, there there he was. And and so uh, so anyway, they uh, so I think he's got a chance. He's coming off a knee injury. They require, you know, they required surgery, but I think they still really like him. And then on the defensive side of the ball, boy, there's a lot of different directions to go. And, uh, you know, I, so I would, I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to even remember who I wrote because uh, I think there's several. That, that... Merriweather and DJ Johnson. Yeah, okay, there you go. Because I tried to divide it. You know, when you talk about breakout players, you could say somebody like a Brandon Smith who's played some but not a lot or, you know, hasn't had that big booming season, you know. And I think, like, Jaiman Colbert has a chance to, to be the guy that uh, really, you know, goes from being a starter to a very good player. But but I think those two have a chance to really become starters or play starters snaps. Uh, DJ Johnson, you know, was, you know, he picked Iowa over Notre Dame and then later on LSU offered him and he still stuck with Iowa. He got hurt a little bit early last year, so he didn't really have much of an impact uh, at cornerback, but they really liked him for that star position where Imani Hooker is. And then Kayvon Merriweather, um, you know, really underrated guy. You know, only went out for football his senior year. Didn't really start at the beginning of the year, but he was such a great athlete and basketball player. He had Division One offers. He just, you know, his future is better served at football. And and now that he's here, I mean, you know, he's one of the guys. They decided, you know what, we're not even going to redshirt this guy. We're going to play him on special teams. And so I think he's got a chance to be, uh, you know, a strong safety. Now we won't know what they're going to do with the secondary. There's some questions there whether they say move Michael Ojemudia to the strong safety and you know, have Moss or Brent start opposite Matt Hankins. Um, you know, there's a lot of different possibilities, but I think either one of those guys, Johnson or Merriweather, have the chance to be a very good player, if not directly next year, you know, definitely in the future. 
Scott Dockerman joining us from the Athletic Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. Doc, uh, let's jump over to a little basketball. And last night, again, the defense, especially in the first half, looked like a microcosm of what we saw a year ago. Danger time for this Iowa basketball team, or is it simply a loss to a really good Michigan State team, a road loss to Minnesota, no reason to hit the panic button? Where do you sit now with Iowa? I, I think it's kind of a combination of both, actually. And I think one is, when you when I saw this part of the schedule, and I've just kind of tried to remove any kind of emotion from it, this is a tough This is a tough little three-game stretch here. I mean, Michigan State at home, I think this Michigan State team, no matter what happened yesterday with Purdue, is the best team in the league. I think it's going to have a, be a Final Four contender. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, uh, you know, so you've you're got to figure that one's going to be a tough one. Then at Minnesota, that's notoriously difficult. They've got good players. They're in the same position as Iowa. And then uh, Michigan at home on Friday, you know, after going, you know, winning five straight, I kind of saw some sort of slip-up happening. And I figured if they go one and two out of that three-game stretch, they're in great shape. Um, I That's still the same case. But I think there is concern on defense. I You know, you just can't allow this to continuously happen. I mean, they got outscored 40-17 to 17 in the second half against uh, Michigan State. Their offense led, you know, to some of those problems just by missing a lot of open shots and, and that turning into Michigan State's points. And then you look at, you know, yesterday, that was just a track meet in the first half. It was very entertaining. But I'll say this, that just didn't show a lot of defense. And, and then, you know, Fran had a four-game, four-minute stretch there in the second half where he wanted to bench the starters, I don't know, to send a message or try to do something differently. And I thought the impact was uh, – I, I, I thought it was probably a net negative because you lost time with that and you right. held your own right. you know, score position-wise. So I just think that um, right now, even if they lose to Michigan, they're still in okay shape for the tournament. But, you know, everything's knee-jerk reaction here and not, not, not seeing the big picture. Uh, so, you know, it, there's still a lot of season left. They can still do a lot of good things. But, you know, that, that defense is a concern, no doubt about it. No doubt. Uh, you know, you go back to last week, speaking of defense, I thought uh, Izzo and Sparty uh, went out of their way to prevent Jordan Bohannon from, uh, from getting his shot, and he was one for seven. Yesterday, he even attempt a shot, Doc, a three-pointer I'm, I'm speaking of. Uh, his only basket was when they essentially parted the, uh, got out of the way and let him go to the rim. There was no fouls at that point. Was, uh, Patino screaming from the uh, sideline, no fouls, no fouls, and they let him in, and he makes the layup. But for Bohannon, not even to attempt a three, um, that, that's kind of head-scratching to me, Scott. Yeah, I, I I was wondering the more I started watching, you know, what's going on there. And, you know, he was in for the first four minutes of the second half. Then he was out. And then Connor McCaffrey played the majority of the second half at point guard. And I don't know if that's a message to, to Jordan, if there's something there, you know, injury-wise that's really not being said, or if uh, they feel like that Connor's a better distributor of the ball and they want other, you know, the other people involved more often. I don't know, but... I think it is concerning when you have a guy who's certainly been as prolific as he has shooting the ball. He's a defensive liability, but he's also such a good offensive player that you know you got to find a way to mask his defense, defensive issues. So uh, you know, right now, I think that's got to be a concern. Defense first, but how do you get Jordan Bohannon more involved in the offense? Because I think he's too good of a player to not take shots or not even have him out on the floor. We know that Fran McCaffrey has job security with the contract extension he signed without them telling anybody, and you found out that information a little over a year ago, Doc. But 
you know, if the defense continues down this path, they're back to 126 in the country in defensive efficiency at Kempom. And even if they say sneak into the tournament or one and done, do you think there needs to be some some staff turnover? It's been the same coaching staff now for nine straight years. That's a tough question because I'm not sure exactly what that would do for them. You know, I mean, is it, uh, you know, th- this is Fran McCaffrey. No offense. doubt. I agree. You know, you know, this isn't, you know, Kirk Sparaz or Andrew Francis. So the way they're teaching it, you know, this year was an overhaul defensively and we're not seeing any kind of, you know, we're seeing some growth, a couple of possessions a game, which, you know, has, has led to a few wins. But overall, it's, it's been real similar to what we've seen before. And really it's about allowing their offense to help their defense, not the other way around, whereas like a, a Wisconsin under Bo Ryan was certainly defensive first. So it's just, you know, it, it's really going to be whether or not Fran McCaffrey wants to adjust his offense um, to enable his defense to be more successful, and I just don't see it. I, I think they're going to continue down this path. Now, if they get a, a you know, a, a player or two, you know, Toussaint comes in next year, if he's a better on-ball defender, they could do some different things. I mean, they weren't so bad defensively with Clemens and, and uh, Gazelle, you know, on the point there. But, you know, that said, they're, you know, I, I just don't see any kind of turnover making that big of a difference. How much do they miss Pemsel as far as his, you know, his ability maybe to change things up uh, on defense? So, you know, he's he's a, he's a guy that you're going to think twice about. And I'm not sure there is a going in the lane other than Garza, who I really like, and I, and I continue to see improvement in his game. Do they, what are they, do they miss Pemsel? Yeah, they did. I think especially against uh, Michigan State. Physical teams, right? You gotta, yeah, you, you've got to match their toughness. Yeah. Both mental and physical. And they couldn't do that, and they've never been able to do that except for 2016 season, at least not under France. And so they, they've, uh, you know, they needed that. They needed that tough guy. And maybe that's flattened Cassius Winston in the, in the lane. Mm-hmm. Give him the two shots, but, but make, send a message. And they right. don't have anybody who's kind of that enforcer. And, I'm, you know, and, and, and Pimsel's a skilled player, and and a well-liked person. I really like him personally, but they do need that kind of toughness that he brought. But I really think that the biggest problem for this team, and it's not going to go away, there's no free agency you know, in the middle of the season, is you know, just finding that on-ball defender because they're, just, they're really struggling against uh, you know, point guards. They're trying to throw all kinds of different defenses, and it's just not working. And you know, I, I think this team's capable of getting to the tournament. I think they're capable of winning 10 games the Big Ten. They're going to beat you know somebody in that same realm that they are: Wisconsin, Nebraska, the middle, Ohio State, yeah, Indiana, somebody like that. They're yep. going to win a couple of those games. They're you know it's not really time to panic, uh, but you know the, it, I think this is just such a fragile almost fan base that wants something to succeed so badly that it's it's you know even just measured progress isn't enough. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. Doc, we'll look for those two long-form pieces this weekend. Appreciate what you do for us. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Oh, do you have a pick? In the, we're going to ask everybody, uh, all of our guests this week, who's your pick in the Super Bowl? Can't go against Tom Brady. I think he's the greatest ever play. So um, I'll, I'll, go with, I'll go close, 34-31, Patriots. 34-31, Patriots. I've got a feeling we're going to hear a lot of it. Can't go against Tom Brady this week. <laughs> Thank you, Doc. Thanks, guys. Appreciate good, it. Yeah, good to talk to you. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. Dylan Montz from the Ames Tribune is next as we take a look at the Iowa State side of things. Uh, Trent and I continue on. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hawkeyes, Cyclones, Panthers, and Bulldogs. Yeah, we got that covered. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.
Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, taking up until noon. Talked to Iowa Scott Dockerman. Let's do it the same. Iowa State with Dylan Montz is making his way up uh, I-35 North. He's going to listen to a trifecta of press conferences today. Men's basketball, women's basketball, and uh, wrestling. Uh, Dylan, Trenton, Ken, how are the roads? Yeah, they were pretty good early on in the Metro, but then as I've gotten closer to Ames, there's a little bit more blowing snow from the fields and everything, so the visibility was a little bit different, and the traffic is moving a little bit slower than it normally does, but um, not too much of a problem yet. So like 55, 60, are you able to go that fast? Oh, yeah, like 65. So oh, it's, that's it's not, not bad. Ter- it's, not, it's not too much slower, just a touch, but uh, yeah, it, it's not really been a problem. Just a little bit more blowing snow than I thought. So you can go the speed limit, you're just not, uh, you can't break it today is what you're saying. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> gotcha. Well, uh, let's let's uh, let's talk about um, Iowa State from their performance in Oxford, Mississippi this past weekend. I think they were the only big, uh, the only uh, in that challenge, the only road team to win was Iowa State. At least at one point late in the day, that was the case, and uh, so th- they have that going for them. A whole lot to like about the game, yet at the same time, Prome can do some uh, coaching, some critiquing. The nineteen turnovers he can't be happy with, yet they they won convincingly over a top twenty-five team. That was a heck of a performance, turnovers aside. Yeah, it really was because there were times when it felt like Ole Miss could have made a run. I mean, Iowa State felt like it was in control most of the time, but, um, you know, there were points where you felt like the home team could make a run even though they had kind of struggled to shoot a little bit. Um, and, and that was kind of the trend the last couple games for them, but they've obviously, obviously shown that they're capable offensively, so you didn't know if, you know, like a guy like Tyree was going to go and pop off a little bit. But Iowa State kind of um, weathered some storms, weathered some turnovers, and, uh, a 12 for 13 start uh, to the second half doesn't hurt either. Um, that really can kind of buoy you. Mm-hmm. And um, getting the play that they did from Linda Wigginton and Cameron Lard again, um, you know, we've talked about how important both of those guys are to, to what they want to accomplish and how complete of a team they can be. And it, that kind of was evidence uh, on Saturday what kind of uh, ceiling they could maybe have. Dylan, uh, after a long stretch where Taylor Horton Tucker really seemed to be struggling, Seems like he's bounced back in a big way. 16 against Kansas, 23-8-5 against Ole Miss on Saturday. Just a monster performance from him. Is this him learning as teams are game planning and scheming a little bit more for him? Is it just he hit a bit of a freshman wall and now is breaking his way through it? What do you think it was that stretch where he was struggling and then the impact he's made the last couple of games? Yeah, it really kind of felt like it was more of a wall than, yeah. than anything that the teams were doing scheme-wise. And, you know, I, I, that's to be expected. You know, freshmen are going to kind of go through bumps in the road just how good he was early. Um, it's not a surprise that there would be some hiccups. But really, I think the thing that impresses me most about him is he never really, to me, he never really felt like he lost confidence or looked like he lost confidence. And he was really aggressive in Allen, which is tough for a freshman to do, but he was. Um, and going on the road again uh, last week to Ole Miss, I thought he was he was really sharp and engaged early, and um, that's the key because when Mario Shayok kind of struggled to hit a couple shots early, they needed a guy like Kalen Horton Tucker to go hunt hunt for those looks, and you know Nick Weiler Babb helped facilitate some of that early, and Tyrese Halliburton obviously too. But I think the way he kind of uh, approached the game this last week is, is what uh, is the key for him because he needs to stay aggressive even if he's not necessarily hitting. So I think the the way that he kind of operated within the scheme and within the offense is kind of what Steve Prom has preached all along is um, 
you know, we, we trust you to go out and do stuff. And um, I think he, he kind of embraced that message and, and obviously looked really good in those two games. You know, uh, Tyrese Halliburton is a guy that's obviously earned Coach Prohm's trust, and, and, and why wouldn't he? His scoring's been down a little bit as of lately, but he's still averaging about 35 minutes, uh, nine assists in the basketball game, uh, playing a ton of minutes, as, as we mentioned, as a freshman. Uh, while he's not scoring, he's doing a whole bunch of other things to make Coach Prohm uh, see fit to keep him on the floor as, as much as he is. Yeah, he's a little bit like a chameleon. Uh, there's some guys that need to go in and get their shots, get their points, and really play a certain kind of role. But I think Tyrese can kind of go in and do whatever they really need him to do to plug some gaps. If they need him to be a distributor and a ball handler, he can do that. Um, if they need him to stretch the floor a little bit and shoot from outside, he's shown he's more than capable of hitting open looks especially. Um, and, you know, he, he's long and rangy a little bit and can kind of maybe swoop in and get some rebounds if he had to. So I think that's kind of the the – magic or the beauty of him is that he can kind of do a little bit of what whatever they need um so i I think that's his value and he's going to continue to play a lot of minutes and uh, i know we've talked uh, a ton about when will wiggins start will he start um you know i I, it's hard to say i don't know if i can go and predict it anymore i've been wrong (laughs) so uh, i i think uh whether uh tyree saliburton starts or whether he comes off the bench whenever that decision is made um I think he's going to continue to play a lot of minutes just because of how much value he can provide in all sorts of facets of the game. Big bounce back game out of Cam Lard inside. Feels like he he's understanding that role maybe a little bit better. Three blocks defensively had the eight points in the game. Is this what it is? If 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 everything's going right, looking for that fifteen to eighteen minutes a game from Cam Lard in a perfect world, does that seem right? Yeah, I, I think that's pretty close. Um, and, and I think it's it's so interesting to kind of watch his his play, you can kind of tell early on what kind of game you're going to get mm-hmm. him, maybe, and, and how how effective he can be. As good as Michael Jacobson has been and how much more they've gotten out of him than maybe people expected, um, it's still hard to, for him to kind of fill a, a role like Cameron Lard can play, where you're a rim protector, where you can really kind of bang with those guys down low and, and be a defensive presence. And, um, you know, in a perfect world, Michael, Michael Jacobson would play the four and not have to be, you know, stuck in the middle going up against all those, you know, 6'10", 6'11", type guys. So I think if Cameron Lard can come in and give them those kinds of minutes where he is a defensive presence, even if he doesn't get the blocks, if he just alters shots, uh, I've, and has to, and the guys have to kind of throw it outside and, and reset a little bit, I, I think that's, that's exactly what they're kind of hoping for. And obviously they want to maximize him as much as possible, but if they can get those kinds of consistent performances out of him, um, that, that's kind of uh, a dynamic shifter and uh, complexion changer for, for that front court, but for the team as a whole. You know what was weird about uh, Saturday? The, the Terrence Lewis story, to me, I, w- I just wonder if there's something more to it, Dylan. I don't. I mean, he's, he's flying privately, not commercial. I mean, you can get on a, an, airpl- an airplane at, at uh, Des Moines International without your ID. They're going to make it a whole lot more difficult. But they're fry- flying privately. They're all in their Iowa State sweatsuits. It's the coaches. It's the broadcast team, and it's the players, and I'm guessing a couple of you know support staff going with them. And the story was that he lost his ID and couldn't get on the private plane to take him to Oxford, Mississippi. I've been fortunate enough to fly, you know, half a dozen times in the last five years or so on a private plane. I've never shown ID. I mean, they don't know me, but I got to think by now they have a pretty good idea who's on the squad. <laughs> uh, that just was odd to me. Do you think we're going to learn anything more? 
Uh, yeah, I hope so. Uh, and it was interesting because Travis Hines from uh, the Ames Tribune reported that um, the Iowa State players were are required to show their IDs even at four chartered flights. So uh, it maybe depends on kind of uh, you know who's charting it or, or some of the specifications because they're flying as a team through the university if they have to do do that. I, I'm not really sure, but it, it's going to be interesting to see if Chrome says anything more about it today because I had never heard of that. Um, you know, you'd heard of guys missing trips for illnesses and things like that, but you wonder if it was a, a guy like um, – Oh, Mary O'Shea or, or Linda Wiggins, <laughs> yeah, how much they would have, <laughs> would have uh, hunted for that idea or, or figured out a way. So the, the, the story is kind of a funny, yeah. interesting, peculiar one. So hopefully there's a little bit more we, we can learn about it. But, uh, yeah, definitely odd. And it kind of, I think, took everybody uh, a little off guard or and, you know, made a, a few people laugh on Twitter for sure. But, yeah, very strange. 11 games left. Uh, threw this to Ken earlier in the program today. Put the win total at? Seven and a half. You taking the over or the under wins the rest of the way with eleven remaining. Yeah, I'd probably take the over um, just because I think um, there's enough home games left where I think you got to feel good about winning out at home. And uh, you know, you, you maybe steal a couple on the road here. You still have to play at West Virginia. Um, that's a game on paper mm-hmm. you should win, have to win. Um, and then you can kind of talk about games like. Oklahoma uh, on a on a night you could go and win there. TCU yep. has been really solid, but um, you know that's still up for grabs too. Um, Texas has been kind of um, you know a stinker lately and not really um, maybe living up to what their uh, preseason thoughts were. Is maybe a middle of the road Big Twelve team. They're they're down at the bottom with um, West Virginia and Oklahoma State. So I, I think there's enough opportunities out there for them to go win. You know eight. Eight, nine, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'd probably take the over, but it, yeah, I, I think it all starts with kind of how well you perform at home. Um, can't have any slip ups, uh, really. I mean, it, Texas Tech is probably going to be your toughest game left, uh, just the way they play defensively. But uh, being at home, you got to feel pretty good about what your offense can do. So I, I'd probably take the over. Yeah, and the Texas Tech game's the final regular season game at Hilton. So senior day, this year about a Shayok, Weiler Bab. You know, and I, we'll spend more time on this, Dylan, because uh, we're almost running out of time. Weiler Bab's career, you look, he's an underappreciated part of this team. At least, maybe it's just me, but I, I look at this kid, and he doesn't wow you with any one thing he does. He just does a whole lot of uh, things really well. He's going to uh, have one of those careers that you're going to look back on, I think, in a couple of years. You know what? This kid should have got more credit when he was here. Could you see that? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, the, the term glue guy gets overused probably a little bit, but I think he is kind of yeah. that. Um, he, he's a little bit in the Tyree Taliburton mold where he can kind of fit with whatever role you want him to. He, he went and kind of um, drove to the basket a few different times in the second half to kind of open things up, but really uh, he, he's not a guy that needs to really hunt his shot or, or, or shoot it up. I think uh, he can kind of be that facilitator, kind of fill it in and um, you know, I think um, there's been obviously some inconsistencies in his career too, so it probably um, makes it look a different way to people. But I think when it's all said and done and you can kind of see the body of work, I think he'll be a guy that um, is looked at as really important as the stretch because he's kind of the bridge from that old era. Mm-hmm. He played with all those guys, yep. the Monte Morrises, uh, you know, Naz Long, Deontay Burton. Now he's kind of helping – you know, transition into this new era with some of these younger guys. So I think there's an important distinction there and, and one that people will maybe appreciate, again, once 
once the year's over and maybe even next year when they can kind of see what the different dynamics are without him. Dylan Mons, Ames Tribune. Dylan, great stuff. you got three press conferences to cover. We'll read them at amestrib.com, amestrib.com. Thanks, Dylan. Talk to you on Friday. Yeah, thanks, guys. Take care. Good to talk to you, Dylan Mons, Ames Tribune. You agree with Weiler Bapp, how I look at him? Yeah. Kind of. A lot of good things. Yes, he does. And he can play a lot of different roles. Mm-hmm. And a good defender. Yes, he is. So is his brother. My God. Yes. Chris Bapp. Uh, we'll come back. 11 o'clock hour is next. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.